For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. If one is to understand the great mystery, one must study all its aspects, not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense. Never for attack. Stretch out with your feelings. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the Force are they. Learn to know the dark side of the Force and you will be able to save your wife from certain death. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. The Jedi turned against me. Don't you turn against me. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 106 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. And we're not done with The Last Jedi. Some people are done with it. Some people are just done with it. <laughs> we're not done. It's not done. It's not done with us yet. Yet. We still got some more Last Jedi stuff to talk about. We're going to be talking about the legacy of the Jedi, the Force, what it all means. Is it hypocrisy? Is it hubris? As Luke says, we're going to we're going to talk about it. We're going to try and figure this out. But first, 
You can hear that train coming. There's Solo news to talk about. Han Solo. 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 The roar of Solo. It's like you, you, if you put your ear next to the tracks, you can hear it. The train's coming. The castle's running. <laughs> I can't see the train, Pa. <laughs> but I can hear it. Oh, I feel like we're going to be seeing it sooner than we know. But for now, it's the the pattern is holding true. The, the blurry Lego pictures from last week are now crystal clear Lego pictures. So with names and a little bit of excitement to go with them <laughs> new mysteries about the weirdness of the solo movie so we found out that one weird looking lego thing is a character called quay tolsite which at first looked like a weird alien and i think you and i we weren't we like texting each other like it kind of looks like a pike yeah you were like i think that's a pike and we were like, no, he doesn't have a mouth. Maybe he's not a pike. And then I was just like, that's too crazy. There's no way they'd have a live action pike in the solo movie. It looks like they do. <laughs> it's like, I guess, like we said, after Saw Gerrera, it's like all bets were off for what was going to show up in the uh, in the Star Wars stories. So we officially have it's official, right? Didn't wasn't there a story about it? It's not not official yet. If you're not familiar with the Pikes, they were in the Clone Wars. Didn't when did they show up? Were they in the Coruscant one? The people got poisoned. Auntie, Auntie, I'm not feel, I'm not feeling good, Auntie. <laughs> they showed up. I want to say season five during the Maul stuff when Maul and Savage were taking over the underworld. Oh, the Black Sun. The whole Black Sun stuff. And they were originally designed to be in the live-action TV show. Ah. And they were salvaged from the TV show to be in Clone Wars, and now they're going back, potentially, if we're lucky, to their live-action roots. Right? It was on, I think it was StarWars.com, right, in the databank. It said that they had something to do with the Kessel Run, right? Yeah, so get this. So they keep a steady supply of illicit substances funneling through the stores of some of the most influential crime families operating in the lower levels of Coruscant. And they oversee the distribution of fresh narcotic spice harvested by slaves on Kessel. The Pikes relied on smugglers and unscrupulous freighter captains to pull off foolhardy Kessel runs to deliver their prize to customers. So they're like drug dealers in Star Wars? Crime lords? Yeah, I mean, that's how they were on uh, Clone Wars. So it makes sense. More criminals. Spice dealers connected to all the crime families of Coruscant. The Pikes. They will be the next to join us. We know you've been forming an army. Were you expecting us? The underworld's a small community. I have no desire to oppose you. We come to join you. Maybe we'll get a, a skizor. Oh, just one skizor. Just one. <laughs> just blurry. I don't even we don't have to even see it clear. A little skizor in the background goes a long way. The lenses of my glasses would shatter. 
release pheromones into the theater. Everyone will get lightheaded. What's that handsome blurry thing in the background? <laughs> I have to I have to run to the refresher so fast. And it also looks like we're going to possibly get some sweet sideburns, too, because one of the uh, Lego officers has enormous sideburns, even in Lego, even in Lego form. And a mustache, by the way, mustache and sideburns. So I don't have any complaints about Rogue One at all. If I had to, we're going to burn your house down unless you tell me one complaint about Rogue One. I would say that the Imperial dudes sideburns were not big enough. Yeah, they were kind of overshadowed by the pilot's mustaches. <laughs> so, well, maybe we'll get a special edition someday where they'll uh, digitally enhance the sideburns. I think we've said before, Tarkin should be in it, Krennic should be in it, Merrick should be in it. All the people we fell in love with in Rogue One that didn't have enough time. Sagrera can be in it, two tubes. Yeah. K2SO droids, that should all be in there. Stormtroopers riding giant lizards. Yeah, that would be nice to bring that back. They, you really had to look for those guys. Just one little Sagarera cameo. He could just call someone on the phone, on the video phone. We know he's got one. <laughs> just, you know, FaceTiming. Hey, look at me. It's what your old buddy saw. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I need some of that spice. <laughs> I'm making chili. Got a special Sagarera recipe. <laughs> In other solo news... One of the stormtroopers in the Lego thing was revealed to be, like, what would they say, a Mimbin stormtrooper? Yeah, Mimbin, Mimbian, Mimbin. So if that name sounds familiar, well, it was mentioned once in season one of Clone Wars, but it was also the main planet from Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye book that came out in 1978. And also, Mimbin was originally going to be Jedha, or Jedha was going to be Mimbin in Rogue One. Those little the little ties between uh, Rogue One and Solo, that's kind of there. It was reported that they're doing reshoots somewhere, somehow, something. Got to put more Krennic. A shot of him slipping on a banana peel. Han and Lando walk by and you see Krennic just falling down the stairs. <laughs> He's carrying a bunch of cakes. <laughs> Whoa! Three giant cakes! Yeah. <laughs> Most disappointing about the birthday cake, Director Krennic. Guess you're not invited to any parties. That's the real reason uh, Tarkin didn't like him, because he dropped Tarkin's birthday cake. So there's a tiny, 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 tiny bit of episode nine stuff. revealed that John Williams told J.J. Abrams he's on board for nine. He wants to do it. He wants to close it out. Which it's good to hear. There was probably no doubt that that would happen, but it's always nice to know that that's the plan. Would J.J. be like, okay, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you did a good job last time, but I don't know. We're, we're thinking about doing some something different this time. You're not really important to this whole Star Wars formula, so... You've done enough music. We'll just edit in old stuff. 
Yeah, that's exciting because the last Jedi score is great. We're going to get a little bit more Williams magic and solo. And then, yeah, I'm ready for another John Williams score. It's like I would say that this, you know, this will probably be John Williams final Star Wars score. But then I never would have predicted that he'd be doing like a Han Solo theme for Solo or anything. So I never say never, you know. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll do all three of Ryan Johnson's movies. He's only, what, 82, right? Doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. Mm-mm. I, if they eventually do a Kenobi movie, I would, lo- of course, love a John Williams Kenobi score. Which brings us to, there was a little bit of uh, potential Kenobi talk going on. Relax. Take a deep breath. Hello there. Hello there. Everybody loves Ian McGregor, and everyone loves Ian McGregor with a beard even more. Yeah, he's got a beard, so everyone's got to ask him about the Obi Wan movie. It's January. It's cold everywhere. Maybe he wants to grow a beard. As soon as he walks out of the house with the beard, everyone's like, oh, "It's Obi Wan Kenobi." <laughs> he might as well just wear a robe everywhere and go full comfort. Just carry a lightsaber. Just walk around with a cardboard cutout of Hayden Christensen. Why not? I wish they would just hang out in real life. Remember at Celebration when the big rumor was that Ewan McGregor was going to come out and Hayden Christensen was there. And we were just like, please, please, please. Clicking your heels together. Rubbing rosary beads. Please, please. (laughs) Has anybody got any beads? Please, please. Please, please. (laughs) He's at the Golden Globes for the TV show Fargo. He gets backstage. The first thing somebody asks him is what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello in the back. Congratulations. Uh, Obviously, congratulations for this. And we love all your work, especially Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know that there's been a lot of talk of wanting you back and you would be interested in it. What's the situation right now with that? Just that. There's a lot of talk, and I'd be happy to play him again, but I I don't know any more about it than you do. There's no um, plan at the moment. I love the new one. I saw the new one just uh, over Christmas, and I thought it was really, really beautiful. I loved it. (laughs) Can you trade that Golden Globe in for some (laughs) Obi-Wan? That's really great. You won some award. But what we all want to know, when you're playing Obi-Wan again... Yeah, we appreciate you just biding time until, you know, your real work begins. Doing all that other stuff you do. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's good to keep busy. There was like a picture of him like working out with some guy. And everyone's like, oh, he's got to be working out for the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. He's got to get that Alec Guinness body. (laughs) That ridiculously buff (laughs) Alec Guinness. That's probably like the the one of the most... uh, exciting reasons for him to do that movie is he doesn't have to work out he just can like put on like 50 pounds to get that that old obi-wan yeah if anything he should be skinny yeah i don't know what did obi-wan eat because he wasn't that skinny he he looked like he was healthy what does anybody eat on tatooine well there's bantha milk i guess right a lot of fat in that and those uh green vegetable things that baru puts in the Oh, the food processor. 
<laughs> Don't get us started. <laughs> I think it's been an hour we've been thinking about <laughs> Baru food. Have you seen Luke this morning? Disney, when they have Empire's End or Galaxy's End or whatever <laughs> it's called, they should just play that sound through all the speakers. Oh, like like within like a hundred yards of where there's places to buy food, you just hear that sound and like, wait, I gotta go buy some food. And then they could literally just sell vegetables. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be delicious. And the kids would all be like, I want the vegetables. They look so good. The Ambrose vegetable stand. Mm -hmm. I would love if they, you know, Disney had someone wandering around Galaxy's Edge dressed as Baru, just looking for Luke. Luke! 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 You know, and people are like trying to get your picture with the Amberu. <laughs> Luke. But she doesn't stop. She's got to find him. All right, I'll be right there, Aunt Beru. Maybe they'll, they'll, she'll live out her dream of uh, being a baker. The amazing story from a certain point of view. Oh, uh, she went to school for it. Yeah, so maybe they'll have Beru's bakery. Oh, they should. Oh, they should. Mm-hmm. They could have like a blue milk Dole Whip. I've heard about the Dole Whips. Yeah, Baru's Blue Milk Dole Whip. But I think it needs to happen. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well, Ben Kenobi. You should know, Yoda. Yes. I've been the Jedi Master for 800 years. Yoda and other action figures each sold separately. Beep, 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 beep. It's okay, R2-D2. I've got my laser pistol. Hold it, Luke. They're afraid of your snake, Yoda. You have nothing to fear. The Force is all around us. Yoda and other action figures each sold separately. From Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. From Kenner. So one thing that's got people still up in arms about The Last Jedi is kind of the way the movie talks about and treats the whole Jedi thing, the whole Force thing, all of it. And it's kind of really summed up by Luke's big speech in Lesson 2, where Luke says that now that they're extinct, the Jedi are romanticized, deified. But if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds... The legacy of the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi Master who was responsible in training for the creation of Darth Vader. Which, while, you know, while we're sitting there in the movie theater and we're getting up and doing the splits that Luke Skywalker just said the name Darth Sidious, there's some pretty heavy stuff in there. The The legacy of the Jedi is failure. I think we, we mentioned it before in our last Jedi review episode. That was kind of the whole point of the prequels, but it's kind of become clear that after the release of The Last Jedi that maybe people didn't see that, or is it because... You know, the majority of people don't like the prequels or something. You know, I don't know. They're just not paying attention. I don't know. Is part of the reason 
subconsciously people didn't like the prequels and don't like Last Jedi is they don't want to see Jedi's failing. Like it makes people uncomfortable to watch failure. But yeah, it was like we said in the review, like it was it's interesting to hear the movies kind of acknowledge what was going on in the prequels. The ways in the Jedi were kind of weird is like they weren't doing it right. And the movies were showing them kind of lose their way with the original trilogy, having Luke kind of working his way back towards what a Jedi should be and ultimately losing his way, but finding his way at the end of Last Jedi. So let's let's take a look at the Jedi's legacy of failure and. Was Luke correct? Was every word and what he said true, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's start with episode one. The example that episode one sets for the Jedi, we're introduced to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. You don't really get a sense of the kind of role that Qui-Gon plays in the Jedi, that he's kind of an outcast until he kind of goes before the council. Yeah, because really up to that point, he's kind of the hero of the movie in a way, and you're like, he's cool. Jedi are cool. Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon is the coolest. Qui-Gon is like Fonzie-level cool. <laughs> it's like Fonzie frozen in ice. When he puts his lightsaber away so fast and then pushes that battle droid with the two fingers, I was like, I will follow you into the fire, Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. That's why the battle droid squeals. <laughs> oh, makes that sound. You're so cool, Qui-Gon. So, they, so he takes Anakin before the council. See through you. We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm, afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What has that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. When you first saw... The Phantom Menace, were you ever taken back like, wow, why are the Jedi being so rude? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was always kind of like, oh, OK, they're kind of uh, stubborn and old and grumpy. And they're like, they're not down with Qui-Gon, which it's like, how can you not be down with Qui-Gon? They refused to hear Qui-Gon out. He pretty much just faced down a Sith Lord with horns coming out of his head. And they're just like the Sith have been extinct for a millennium. No way it was a Sith Lord. I don't know what you saw. They refused to. To train Anakin, or they at least reject the whole idea of training Anakin. Don't even want to think about it. Qui-Gon brings up a virgins in the Force, and it's like somebody just farted in the Jedi Council. That's just bearded snake man again. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a snake tail. There's a lot of gas that builds up. It was Yarrow Poof. That's why they call him Yarrow Poof. He has really bad burps. <laughs> His last name's actually Smith. We nicknamed him Poof because he's always poofing. Poof. <laughs> But there, right away in Phantom Menace, we're introduced to the idea of Jedi that are failing. When Qui-Gon went before the Jedi Council, everything they do talking to him is a failure. If they would have done the exact opposite of what they did, the whole galaxy maybe would have turned out better. Well, and then even Qui-Gon, as cool as he is, ultimately fails in the movie and Darth Maul kills him. He doesn't get to train Anakin and it kind of moves on to Obi-Wan to kind of make the best out of he can with uh, Qui-Gon's failure. Master Yoda, I gave Qui-Gon my word. I will train Anakin. <clears throat> Without the approval of the Council, if I must. Qui-Gon's defiance, I sense in you. Need that you do not. Agree with you, the Council does. Your apprentice, 
Skywalker will be. The whole deal with Phantom Menace at the end is even though it looks like the good guys win and they have a party and Boss Nass gets a crystal ball, Chancellor Palpatine gets elected and really his goal for the whole movie comes true. So right, you know, right from the first movie, really, it was a failure for the Jedi and a kind of a failure for the good guys hidden behind a party in a parade. So it's funny going back and thinking about all the movies after Last Jedi being kind of putting failure so much in the forefront, really how much of Star Wars is failure and reacting to failure and learning from failure, even without just being limited to the Jedi. Aside from Luke blowing up the Death Star and Lando and Nine Numb and Wedge blowing up the Death Star, there's a lot of failure going on in there. Yeah, it's actually, it's a much more of a part of Star Wars than I think it thought about in the past. And especially the middle chapters, Empire and Attack of the Clones are really heavy in it. So let's move on to Attack of the Clones. There's a lot of Jedi failure in Attack of the Clones. Palpatine is given orders. The Jedi are sitting in the same room with him. You got Yoda and Mace Windu sitting in the same room, and they don't know what's up. Palpatine's just playing those guys. Count Dooku lays the whole thing out to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan, I don't believe you. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. I will never join you, Dooku. Well, and even back at the beginning, Padme shows up and says, I'm pretty sure this is Count Dooku. And they're like, no way. He's a good dude. No. He's Count Dooku. He's dude cool. Have you seen his beard? He's got a sweet bike. He wears a cape. He's got a lightsaber shaped like a banana. You can trust him. It's not in his character to assassinate anybody. He's too sweet. His name is Dooku. Come on. Kiati Mundi's like, he let me ride his motorcycle. (laughs) The Jedi can't use the Force very well anymore, and they decide not to tell anybody. Kenobi has got his hands full with Hayden Christensen, and he can't sense the dark side in Anakin growing. Well, and and even tying into other characters, like Jango keeps failing at killing Padme. Again, kind of Star Wars is all about failure and moving on, learning from it. Well, and the, the biggest one, Attack of the Clones, Anakin failed to stop his mother from dying. He went to Tatooine to save his mother, to find my mother. Gets in that hut. I love... Too late. I, I like that Anakin, his whole thing is to stop people from dying. And then in The Last Jedi, his two children, Leia stops herself from dying. Luke sacrifices himself and goes on to be a being of the Force, assumedly, you know. Anakin kind of lost his way and went to the dark side to stop people from dying when really it's giving in to the Force that lets you ultimately live forever as a ghost that can hit people with a stick.
on to Clone Wars every single episode could also be called the Jedi are failing. <laughs> They're overconfident in their abilities. And probably the biggest moment is them kicking out Ahsoka. Um, and even before that, I think we learn with Obi-Wan and Satine that the Jedi way, even someone like Obi-Wan, who on the surface seems like he's, you know, all on board with the rules that they're kind of unreasonable rules. And even someone like Obi-Wan can't completely follow them. And you start to see the cracks. Your noble flaw is a weakness shared by you and your duchess. You should have chosen the dark side, Master Jedi. Your emotions betray you. Your fear and yes, your anger. Let your anger deepen your hatred. Don't listen to him, Obi. Quiet. You can kill me, but you will never destroy me. It takes strength to resist the dark side. Only the weak embrace it. It is more powerful than you know. And those who oppose it are more powerful than you'll ever be. Moving on to Revenge of the Sith, and it's pretty much too late. <laughs> Jedi are already done for. But kind of the whole point of that movie is also failure with Anakin turning, the Jedi being completely almost wiped out, Sidious coming to power. But with the uh, the hope and chance of learning from those mistakes with the the birth of Luke and Leia. Yeah, a, a, a change in the focus of the Force. It ties in with the next generation has to pick up the pieces of the previous generation. The previous generation's failures basically are the responsibility of the next generation, which in Revenge of the Sith is Luke and Leia, and with Last Jedi is now you know Rey and Poe and Finn and Rose. But it is interesting, like Anakin feels like he failed his mom by not saving her which kind of leads him down the dark side. And with Luke, you know, he feels he failed Ben because he let his anger out for a second. And he, he failed his sister. Anakin, Anakin never would have been able to sacrifice himself to save the Jedi Order. But just because, I mean, that's the whole thing, that the Jedi at this point had a history of being dicks to him. And what did Anakin owe the Jedi in Revenge of the Sith? Nothing. All his life he's been told... How power, how special he is, how powerful he is. But then the people in charge were just like, just listen, just do what we say. With Luke, what's cool is he sacrifices himself for the possibility of the future Jedi, not for any respect for the past of the Jedi, really. It's like the hope of what future Jedi can be is why he's willing to sacrifice himself, not to kind of reclaim any previous glory of the Jedi. Luke's done his homework. He knows about Darth Sidious. I don't know. Who knows if Yoda was just like, listen, Luke, the whole Clone Wars was a sham. We were living a lie, and let's burn down that tree, because it doesn't matter anymore. All the coolness of the Clone Wars is kind of from Luke's perspective, like, oh, you were in the Clone Wars? Obi-Wan doesn't say how, oh yeah, they're sweet. Yeah, that brings us to A New Hope, where, yeah, that very thing happens, where Obi-Wan talks about the Clone Wars, and he almost laughs about it. <laughs> I was a Jedi Knight once I was your father. <laughs> now I live in a hut in the middle of the desert. <laughs> so I guess these, those clone wars worked out great for me, didn't they, young Luke? Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan was a hero of the clone wars to still kind of look back on that. It's like, oh, those were good times. But me and Anakin, he was a good friend. But he knows. 
Yeah, because really the whole thing with it's like kind of once the Jedi stopped using the force for defense and became generals, you know, leading people into battle, pretty good sign they kind of lost their way and were too caught up in, you know, keeping their power as the Jedi Order, their hubris. Remember back to your early teachings. All who gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. The Jedi use their power for good. Good is a point of view, Anakin. The Sith and the Jedi are similar in almost every way, including their quest for greater power. The Sith rely on their passion for their strength. They think inwards only about themselves. And the Jedi don't. Which reminds me of like, yeah, what Luke said that... And I thought this was a great line in The Last Jedi. The Jedi claiming ownership of the light is selfish and that's un-Jedi. And to say, yeah, to say that if the light dies, the Jedi dies is selfish. When Luke said that, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Jedi were wrong all the time. They do not own the force. Yeah, it kind of just goes to the whole thing of which I'm glad that the sequel trilogy and Rebels kind of seems to be getting into the idea of. That the Force is more than the Jedi and the Sith. And just because that's kind of what we were introduced to initially, that there's more to the Force than that. And there's more to the story than that, than just, you know, you have to be a Jedi to be good. And you have to be, if you're bad, you're a Sith. Like, the Force is independent of all that. The new generation of Jedi are going to be different than, you know, different than Luke, who was different than the Jedi Order from the prequels. Um, I mean, even if they wanted to be the same, they're so far kind of removed from that whole institution that it's got to be a new thing. Yeah, and then moving on to Empire the whole story of the force kind of shifts to Luke and Yoda. And probably the biggest stuff is Luke going into the the cave. Luke learns that his greatest enemy is pretty much himself. Tons of people love to compare about uh, Ray's, uh, show me, show me, show me, my family, my family, my family. But you compare Luke's vision in the cave to Ray's vision where Luke learns his enemy is himself. And Ray learns that pretty much she is all she needs. She is, for her, the only one that's important. She's survived all this time on her own, and she doesn't need anyone else. And she needs to believe in herself and her own strengths, which I thought was great because, you know, she shows up on a chew talking to Luke Skywalker, looking for guidance. And Luke's like, I'm not going to give it to you. I got my own stuff I'm dealing with. I'm really kind of bummed out right now. Where Ray, like Yoda says, the girl already possesses all that she needs. She just needed to know to believe in herself. She didn't even need Luke Skywalker. She only needed Luke Skywalker to show her that she needed to trust herself. It's true. But then in Empire, yeah, Yoda's saying to Luke, you know, the boy has no patience and he has no control. And I love that in uh, The Last Jedi, how Yoda's saying to Luke, like, you know, young Skywalker still looking away and he still has no patience and he still lacks control. He's the master of masters at this point. He's, you know, and eventually we'll we'll talk about 
he does the most incredible thing a Jedi's ever done ever, but he still lacks patience and he still lacks control of the force. I think another interesting comparison between the two is the fact that with Empire, we always feel like, okay, the dark side cave was like, it's the dark side, it's evil. You know, it's, that's why it shows Luke kind of the bad side of himself. But in a way, it's like Yoda said, that place is strong, but the dark side of the force, a domain of evil it is. And you must go. What's in there? Only what you take with you. The reason the cave on Dagobah seemed like such a bad thing was because Luke was so... I mean, he had the dark side from his dad in him, and he was kind of not confident. Where Ray kind of goes to the dark side cave and kind of gets a positive result from it because she's a little more confident in herself than Luke ever was, I think. So it's more so it's a similar thing. It's like she brought a different emotion and feeling to the dark side cave and got not necessarily as negative a result as Luke did, because the force isn't just good and bad. It's kind of it's what you take into it. One of my recent viewings of Last Jedi, I spent the whole showing just thinking about these places, Dagobah, Achu, and how these places that are so strong in the force that are like conduits for the force all have a place that are designated dark side places. Like, why have the little seaweed pit on the Achu planet? Ray's immediately drawn to it. And when she is, Luke says, power from light, power from dark, you know? These places have to exist. But it's like like you were saying, it all depends on the person going into it and the answer they're going to get. I think if there is, you know, if they're saying the force kind of manifests in a location... It's almost like it's like magnetism or something where you have the positive and negative like on a magnet. So it's like if the force is there, you you can't just have a good side of the force place or a bad side of the force place. Like it's all going to be there. You can't have one without the other. And even Yoda in The Last Jedi, when he's talking to Luke, saying, didn't you hear what I said? Pass on what you've learned. Strength, mastery, but also failure. And you think about Luke and Empire, he failed small with not being able to raise the X-Wing. He failed in the cave, maybe. And like a big failure, maybe, is leaving Dagobah to go save his friends out on Cloud City. You know, set the trap, Han got frozen, all that stuff. But through that failure, Luke learned his greatest lesson of probably being a Jedi. It's an interesting thing to bring up, too, that like, as much as people seem annoyed at the everyone's plan failing in The Last Jedi... Everything kind of goes bad in Empire 2, which leads to Return of the Jedi. Luke learns from his mistakes and kind of turns things around. Yeah, I don't know if people look back on Empire and just think that Luke showed up in Cloud City and saved everyone. <laughs> you know, Who succeeds in Empire Strikes Back? I don't know what movies people have been watching. But yeah, that leads us to Return of the Jedi. Yoda says, when gone am I, the last of the Jedi will you be? And then Luke confronts the Emperor. And makes his awesome final decision in the end. And then at the very end, when he after he makes his decision with Vader, he throws his saber away. The next time we see Luke Skywalker in a movie holding a lightsaber, he does the exact same thing. Yeah, I'm done with this. And we even see that in between Return of the Jedi and The Last Jedi, the only other time we see Luke holding a lightsaber, it went really bad. Yeah, probably the worst it's gone Ever for him. Yeah. (laughs) His darkest moment. You don't know that the first time 
you see him throw the saber in Last Jedi. But knowing that, you know, I don't blame him. I don't want to touch one of those. So did Luke fail in his teaching of Rey or non-teaching of Rey? You know, looking back on all the previous movies, not really. It's kind of goes to the Rey's character and to what Luke learned, but maybe he didn't realize that he learned that not only is the greatest teacher failure, but also the greatest teacher is going out and experiencing stuff yourself. You know, it's like the old thing, like you can go to school and you can read every book on a subject, but until you've actually experienced something, you don't know anything about it. Luke going out there and confronting Darth Vader and, you know, Vader giving him the choice, come with me, you know, that's his lesson. And Kylo saying to Ray. You're still hanging on, you know, and all that stuff. That's her lesson. Well, if you contrast that to the, you know, the Jedi Order where they would take little kids and train them from when they were kids, like in this rigid, rigid, regimented thing to be a Jedi, they didn't necessarily experience life and experience the force. It's natural habitat. And that, you know, ultimately didn't do them any favors. It's kind of even similar with Kylo. Like Kylo kind of ended up Kylo because he was... At boarding school, he wasn't out like seeing the world. And I think that's kind of what's cool with Luke's whole sacrifice at the end is it's almost like what Luke learned from Obi-Wan inspiring him in A New Hope by sacrificing himself. He did the same thing, but instead of just, you know, Obi-Wan doing it for Luke, Luke basically does it for the whole galaxy to have the same inspiration he did and motivation to do what's right. And he does something no Jedi as far as we know, has ever been able to do before. He achieves a level of mastery that's beyond anything else. much as it's like the movie itself kind of builds up to that moment but the star wars movies in general kind of have been building up to that moment since the phantom menace of kind of with the whole force ghost thing it's like no there weren't force ghosts before but then qui-gon kind of figures it out and it evolves into what obi-wan and yoda can do and then that evolves almost into what snoke and luke is doing which is it's like being a force ghost while you're alive there's a progression there. It like doesn't it doesn't come out of nowhere. In a way, Luke's final incredible act at the end of the last Jedi almost redeems the Jedi's history of failure that he's talking about just like an hour earlier in the movie or whatever. If the Jedi really did have a history of failure, then you wouldn't have been able to do this incredible thing you're doing right now to pave the way for the future of the Jedi. If you think back to the the way the original Jedi Order was, people kind of knew about Jedi, but they were kind of under the radar. Like, you know, Kid Anakin had heard about Jedi and their laser swords, but most people didn't think about the Jedi or talk about the Jedi. And by the original trilogy, you know, people just thought they were crazy people who weren't around anymore. But then kind of what Luke does in Last Jedi is he kind of makes everyone knows about the Jedi again. Like little kids are, are telling stories about them. It's kind of like he kind of opens it up to everybody. Like there's this, you know, there's this thing called the force. And if it calls to you, you can be a hero. Before it was like, 
you know, if you if the force called to you, a Jedi would show up and and take you away to their temple, basically. Well, he, you know, in the beginning of the movie, how he's, I was Luke Skywalker, a legend. And at the end of the movie, he is Luke Skywalker, the legend. He believes he he realizes that he is a legend. He will be the myth that Ray thought he was in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Well, because like Ray says, that's what the galaxy, maybe the galaxy needs a legend right now. It needs the, it needs inspiration more than it needs, you know, laser wizards. He was right. He is not the last Jedi and the lightsaber is broken at the end. But, you know, Ray is going to put it together somehow. And that's it's very much like a metaphor for Ray's journey and the future of the force users the, of the Jedi. You know, did the Jedi end? Yes and no. It's like, you know, the Supreme Leader is dead. Long live the Supreme Leader. The Jedi are dead. Long live the Jedi. She will put that saber back together, which I love. That is still Anakin's saber. And the crystal will still be Anakin's crystal. But Rey will somehow fix that. And she will make it her own as her own saber. I think it's it's a cool thing, too, if if ultimately Kylo doesn't make it out of nine and they ever do more movies. They don't need another Skywalker character. It's almost like the spirit of the Skywalkers kind of lives on in the lightsaber crystal in a way it's like there's it lives on Gabe is the legacy of the Jedi in your opinion failure is it hypocrisy I think up to that point it was but Luke's sacrifice kind of like the fire that's the spark that lights the fire that burns the first order down he's kind of revitalize the legacy of the Jedi as, you know, it's the legacy of the the legend Luke Skywalker who inspires little kids to fight bubble face men, which is really what it's all about. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It, it was for a long time kind of like a shameful history. But I think right at that moment that Luke was meditating and floating above that rock, he paved the new course for the the future of the Jedi and what it means to be a force user. And he did, yeah, what what the Jedi Order never could do, which was not use violence to stop violence. It's an act of pure selflessness. And he saved the people he loved. He didn't try to kill who he hated. He used his power to save people. Darth Vader feared. It is the one power that lives within us all. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. The Force is with you. The Force is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.
What's up, Jason and Gabe? It's uh, Taylor Gray, uh, excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Points Podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. All right, so iTunes reviews. We've got some to read. We got some. We got some great ones just this week. Hot off the press. First one is from L. David Fish and is titled The Only Podcast Dedicated to the Continual Safety of Dewbacks Who Happen to Be Crossing the Street. It's an important issue that we're standing behind. Yes. Look both ways, Dewback! And so the review reads The enthusiasm Gabe and Jason have for Star Wars is infectious. And it remains a true treat to listen to them. Blast Points is entertaining, informative, and refreshing. Sometimes I enjoy the show so much, I take my shirt off. Yeah, sometimes shirts got to come off. Thank you, L. David Fish. This next one is from Ty Silencer. Ooh. Ooh. Titled Infectious Laughter. I can't get enough of this podcast's wit. They have a strong handle on sound bites that make the entire listening experience a real joy. Overall positive vibe and a love of Star Wars is obvious. Looking for a master podcaster? (laughs) They can do it. (laughs) DJ. Yeah, man. What? (laughs) What? What? Uh, I can do it. <laughs> One day we'll do an episode of nothing but us just saying all of DJ's lines. I'll just say, yeah, man. All right. What, what, what else do we have here, Gabe? So we have uh, from Jimbo is Dead, the best Star Wars podcast around. Hilarious, insightful, obsessive, and addicting. I'm so glad I found this podcast. Jason and Gabe have created the Star Wars podcast and all Star Wars podcasts. It's like sitting around a table at Sizzler talking to your friends about Star Wars. Now I want chicken and shrimp. Thanks a lot, guys. Squeeze those lemons, chop those herbs. All that chicken, it's superb. P.S. Still waiting for some Blast Point sweat rags or headbands. I know. I know. (laughs) Be patient. Maybe for Solo. Maybe for Solo. Maybe if we get that Sizzler endorsement deal, we can... (laughs) Yeah, when all that sweet Sizzler money starts coming in. (laughs) Thank you, Jimbo is dead. Sorry to hear about Jimbo. Um, And next here we got from Ross K. Great podcast. Kiss in Star Wars. Bring it on. Lick it up, Ross. Lick it up. <laughs> the tears are falling. <laughs> oh, thank you, everyone, for those awesome reviews. And, um, if you want your review read on the show, all you got to do is head over to iTunes after you're done listening, write something awesome, and we will read yours on an upcoming show. Thank you. 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 Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. 
And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. out on blastpointspodcast.com if you want to get a t-shirt listen to theme music get recipes comics articles um, or check us out on facebook instagram twitter and keep on downloading the podcast keep subscribing to the show so you never miss an episode keep telling folks on the social media your choice that uh, they should check out blast points Mm-hmm. You can even write it on a piece of paper and slide it under your neighbor's door. <laughs> I heard that works too. You could rent a blimp and have it on the side of the blimp. You could do that. Well, it's wintertime here too. You could like shovel, listen to blast points like into your yard and then people in planes can see it. <laughs> we would appreciate that. So. <laughs> so we will be back next week. And maybe if I say... There's no way we're going to get a solo trailer next week. Maybe next week's episode will be us talking about a Han Solo trailer thingamajig. I hope that might work. Well, if not, if it's not solo, I think we got some some goodness in store. So I think either way, definitely check in next week. It's going to be a good one. You don't want to miss a single episode. We got a lot of great stuff planned for the rest of the year. But um, as for episode 106 here. Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you next week. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.